Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so glad you tuned in today. This episode is brought to you by Felix Gray. Today's guest is someone whose mother was dealing with chronic pain for many years. He couldn't really understand what she was going through until he had his own chronic pain just a few years ago. This led him to create a CBD company, Lily CBD, to help her and others dealing with lots of health issues. So welcome, Russell Marcus. Hey, what's happening? Happy to have you here. Thank you. So I love telling people how we know each other because your cousin, Lindsay, is my old coworker. And basically, she told me that we were at all the same things because we had a lot of similar interests and music taste and saw through social media that we were attending all the same things. So she would tell me, my cousin's there. You got to connect with him. Russell's there. Russell's there. And there were all these times where I would literally text her, hey, your cousin's here. Russell spotting. Russell spotting. You didn't even know I was alive. And I was spotting you and letting your cousin know that you were at these things. So it's just a funny thing. And then last year, I saw you at my co-working space and said, okay, enough already. I got to approach this guy and let him know that I exist and that I'm Lindsay's friend. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Russell Marcus, and I was born and raised outside D.C. in the suburbs. I'm never really associated with that area because my parents were born and raised in Brooklyn, my grandparents were either born in Brooklyn or raised in Brooklyn. I had great grandparents that were raised and born in Brooklyn. And so there was just like always this piece of me that existed. And so started coming to the city when I was 18 years old, quit a job at a summer camp. And like the head of the camp gave me a whole lot of shit for. <laughs> but there was this opportunity to come here. I'd been throwing some concerts back at school. And so there Where was did you go to school? In Bethesda, Maryland. So I had helped build a recording studio there, was really involved in the music scene and worked at a startup in the city, always wanted to work in the record industry. This was like on the rise of my space time. And so the I gained a lot of experience with the company, ended up folding. That led into some music management of some local bands and continuing to throw concerts and still like had this desire to be in the industry, went to Indiana University to study music business, but there was no music business program. They had a good business school and a good music school. And I tried to ask about it with the dean. He's like, well, you could spend the rest of your college career creating a major that you'll never get. And I was like, that's probably not a great use of time. But through working in music, met some of like my long-term friends, which has been amazing. So music management and music production turned into music marketing, which then turned into marketing. And then when I left Indiana, Ended up in New York City, was staying at Lindsay's parents' place because I didn't have a job yet and got a job at a marketing agency. And it was sort of this like space I was thrown into and I don't know, gained a lot and moved through the ranks at some different agencies. And then most notably worked for Spike Lee for probably about three years. Um, you know, it was a culture first agency. It was a slash multicultural agency working on some interesting brands, I guess you could say. And, you know, I was the only white dude at the company, which was its own 
thing. And to be quite honest, I think the only way that I got the job was because I told a bunch of my dads. My dad's a sports writer, and Spike Lee is a huge sports fan. So I told a bunch Knicks, of my to be specific Knicks and Yankees and Arsenal and. I think I told one good sports story that I had and a bunch of good sports stories of my dad's and got the job. And so within two months of the company, my boss quit. And I remember that day where I was sitting at this table and as she was resigning, Spike is just staring at me like, you motherfucker better do some good work. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm in for something here. But I learned a lot. It was like a re-education in many ways of society, of what my viewpoint of privilege was. You know, growing up, a lot of privilege was around just money. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but learned many layers to it. We worked on the first AARP campaign for um, caregivers of color, black caregivers in particular. We did some work on the Bernie Sanders campaign. That was interesting, helping connect the two of them and like waiting for these two big personalities to connect for the first time and did what we felt was profound work. And there was another project we worked on for two years with the NYPD to help bringing communities together. And so I say all that to say that it was a really defining time for me in my career and trying to help make the world a better place. But I was never going to own any percent of any of Spike Lee's businesses, which is fine. He's he's a boss that's been doing, you know, his thing for a long time. And so I started looking around and got an opportunity to get some equity in a startup. But once you leave working for Spike, you clearly realize that uh, certain things shouldn't be said the way that they're said, or you're just more perceptive to how things are done. And I knew pretty quickly that I needed to get the hell out of there. And so I lasted about six months. And towards the end of it, had been using CBD, had been giving CBD to a couple of individuals and decided to start a CBD business. And that's a lineage of story that leads to like current day what I'm working on. But there's so many other stories that exist. Yeah, absolutely. So many interesting things about your career and obviously we'll dig further into Lily CBD, but let's go back a little bit more about your mom and her health. So when was she first diagnosed with fibromyalgia, arthritis, and sciatica? Sure. So we didn't have the closest relationship growing up. I think that we realize now how similar we are to one another, which is probably why we had some issues. But in working on this business, learned a lot about her story, which kind of takes us to present day. So as I mentioned, parents met in Brooklyn or met in somewhere at some party uh, in the city. They got together, they get engaged, and my mom gets into a car accident. So this is like 35 odd years ago. She had had some issues before, but gets into a car accident in the week leading up to their wedding. Adrenaline pushes them through gets onto their honeymoon and she's like, shit, like I'm in a lot of pain. And that pain persisted throughout her entire life. So I don't know exactly when the fibro was diagnosed. And to be quite honest, the layer to that is that the society that we exist in actually makes it that fibromyalgia is not even a real thing. So the chronic pain, the arthritis, 
those were all pieces to the puzzle. The fibro was like, you know, we're also talking. There's no Facebook. There's no way to engage with other people. Family members are like, what the hell is going on with you? Like, why do you have all this pain? And so this is something that's persisted for her entire life. Did she go to a doctor right after having this car accident? Was there damage done immediately on impact? I mean, what do we know on that front? I wish I knew more. I think that the issues that persisted were there were back issues, there were some neck problems, but there was no, like, you need spinal reconstructive surgery. Your hand is not broken. There is not muscle or nerve tissue. You know, there's a lot of people that have these accidents and it creates trauma in the body. And that trauma, it's like a domino effect. And so what might not be so recognizable at the beginning, you know, gets worse and worse and worse, especially when one of the issues is something that people for the most part don't even believe is real. And so she had these physical issues that also created mental pain as well. You know, I can't imagine having these issues and having no one believe you. And so I think that's what caused a lot of the issues growing up is we lived in the suburbs of DC, lots of wealthy people, friends had way more money than we did. And so there was a resentment around, like, we didn't have certain stuff. So it's like, why is mom not working? And it was because of all these issues, but because society didn't really believe a lot of the issues, you're sucked into those beliefs and it creates issues. So, you know, a lot of this I'm still learning to this day and I can get more into it later, but I would say it was probably about eight years ago. I was sitting a lot at work, probably not working out as much as I should. And when you're sitting, you're crossing your legs and your glutes or your thighs are contracting and getting tighter and tighter and tighter to the point where I thought that my knee was like broken. And I don't know if I went and got a, an x-ray. I think someone recommended an acupuncture because my mom had done some acupuncture. She had always managed between East and West a little bit. Like we grew up on Sudafed and uh, Echinacea. So, I'd say I did too. Yeah. And so I had this persistent knee issue that was so pervasive that like you lay down in bed tired, but it's so painful that you just can't sleep. And then when you don't get sleep, you can't focus on work. When you can't focus on work, your work suffers. You, It's debilitating and it's like something so silly and something so simple. So acupuncture helped a lot. It created this empathy link of I sort of get the pain that mom had been dealing with. So around that time, so this is seven or eight years ago, a friend's mom was growing high CBD, low THC cannabis on the West Coast juicing it and decarbing it and like creating this shot that she would take every morning and allegedly was super helpful for her inflammation. So for the next four months, like every single day, I'd hit this guy up on Facebook message or on text or give him a call and say, can you send my mom a pound of weed? Now, (laughs) (laughs) okay. so I don't smoke. THC just creates paranoia in my head. But I'm like, you know, I don't give a shit. Like, let me try to get this. And it wasn't like I wanted to call up a dealer or call up anyone and get any weed. I wanted to get this mom's cannabis. Mom to mom situation. Mom to mom cannabis, sending a pound through the mail. So I want to pause you for a second because I want to hear what made you all of a sudden say, I want to help my mom. Because it doesn't sound like you really 
understood what she was going through because it wasn't really talked about. It was the knee problem. It was the fact that like she's also like has weird sleep schedules and a lot of it is because of this latent pain that's deep in the body. And so when I had this knee issue, I was like, I finally fucking get it. I don't fully get it, but I sort of get what she's been talking about. And so that's when, you know, I was growing up a little bit and we definitely didn't have the best relationship at the time, but it just seemed like, okay, like let's try to figure something out. And how had she been handling it for all these years? Pill, well, not pills when you hear like people overdosing, but even if she's taking what the doctor was recommending, there's still a concern there because what we're seeing now is, yes, you have so many brilliant doctors. I have some in my family, but you also have a lot of scumbags that are, you know, now getting sued for millions and billions of dollars for malpractice and for pushing prescription pills that the pharmaceutical industrial complex has created the system for. So yeah, never got the pound of weed and that sort of fell off. But, you know, it was trying curcumin or trying integrating turmeric or I had a friend, you know, this is eight years ago. Chia seeds were not what they are now. Started rocking some chia seed puddings in the morning, and that seemed to be helpful because how you adjust your gut also affects your brain and affects your body. Trying to get on the probiotic bandwagon a bit. And so those things seem to be somewhat helpful, but. And just to be clear, helpful to you or her to or her. both of you? To okay. her. And so how did you introduce this stuff to her? Because obviously, if she was someone that was taking lots of drugs for all these years, and that's what she was used to, how did you sort of say to her, hey, I think that you should try turmeric? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like it's popping pills. It's like you're taking what the doctor is prescribing you, and you're not taking more than that. But still, there's always a fear that one wrong combination, because these doctors are, you know, flipping a coin to some extent. So... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'll get some shit for that. But because she had sort of gone to some of these holistic grocery stores growing up, I don't think it was, and she's a little bit hippy-dippy too, and she's a creative person. So taking this stuff was not so far-fetched. It just hadn't been necessarily introduced. You know, how do I introduce chia seeds? I don't know. I made pudding when I saw her and gave her some and explained to her how to make it. How did you learn about this information, given that you're saying chia seeds eight years ago is not what they are now? Chia seeds I learned about from my friend John. Curcumin. I don't know what curcumin is. Curcumin is is the active ingredient in turmeric, and it's an extraordinarily powerful anti-inflammatory. So I think I had just talked to whether it was an acupuncturist that I had seen. I mean, I have a great acupuncturist in the city, and you lay down, he sticks a bunch of needles in you, and then he's also a Chinese medicine doctor and he'll say, okay, let me get you this or let me pull this and I'll give you a discount. And all of a sudden you get out of the the bed with needles in you and you've got a nice little grocery cart full of natural supplements to take. Yep. So some of that was helpful. It wasn't until maybe four or five years ago that I was on the West Coast. The term CBD came up again. I was having a birthday dinner. We were at this place called Gracias Madre on the West Coast. And they did CBD cocktails and THC cocktails. And so while my friends were doing THC cocktails, I had CBD cocktails and thought that this is cool. Like I feel, I think I feel mellow. It's nowhere near where it is today. It was just, 
It happened in like a little vacuum, right? A year or two went by. I'm sort of fast forwarding a bit to October of 2017. Mom's not doing well, sort of just in bed all the time. She ended up having to get some surgeries, but there was a place, I don't know, somewhere in Midtown that was selling what looked to be reliable CBD or didn't look to be shady. What does that mean? Uh, good question. I wasn't buying stuff from a bodega. The place was Inscape, and I had been going to some of their sound meditation stuff, and they had a whole selection of what seemed to be reliable product. So bought this tincture, gave it to her, also bought it for myself, gave it to some friends. I was probably in the highest stress job that I'd ever been in. And for everyone that I was buying these tinctures for, I don't know if it was placebo. I didn't know what I know now, but it seemed to be helpful for a lot of people. And I had some changes in my life in January, ultimately asked my company to fire me which was one of the best decisions that I had ever made because I hadn't felt like myself anymore. I had had a bit of a breakdown like around that October, November time where it's just like, I'm not fulfilling what I'm meant to be on this planet for. And so in January, everything that had been where my time had been going to was now freed up, started getting back into doing yoga several times a week started slowly working on this CBD project. And again, at that time, like it's nowhere what it was today. I would go on Eventbrite, look for CBD events to just educate myself. And so between January and March, between Boston and Philly, there were two events. I went to three, one of them got canceled and started my adventure of just learning. What was this doing for your mom at the time? She continued taking it. We were looking into, at that time, getting a medical card for her because it turns out that the product that I was giving her was more of a broad spectrum. Broad spectrum mean you have full spectrum, which is you take the flower, you end up with a wide range of cannabinoids, THC, CBD, CBG, CBN, all range of terpenes. Then you have broad spectrum, which just eliminates the THC. And then you have isolate, which is the isolated molecule of CBD. And all the research, I started buying books on Amazon and all the research led to full spectrum was definitely the way to go. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Felix Gray. Most of us spend a lot of time looking at our cell phone, laptop, and tablet screens. It's a big part of how we live and work. For many people, this can lead to headaches, dry eyes, and blurry vision. That's why some people, me included, turn to Felix Gray. Felix Gray makes blue light filtering glasses that are both fashionable and high quality. Their glasses filter out 90% of high energy blue light and 99% of the glare coming from your screens. When I wear my Felix Gray glasses, I have the Roebling and the Nash. I definitely notice a huge difference in how my eyes feel at the end of the day. As a podcast host and business owner, I'm in some ways tied to my devices, so I feel good knowing that I'm taking care of my eyes when I have a long day of work. They're available in non-prescription, prescription, and reader varieties, as well as adult and kid sizes. I seriously love wearing my Felix Grays and couldn't recommend them more highly. To try a pair for yourself, go to felixgrayglasses.com slash visible. 
That's felixgrayglasses.com slash made visible. You get 10% off when you buy two pairs and 15% off when you buy three or more pairs. And now back to the show. I'll fast forward just for this story in terms of what the cannabis plant has done for her. She also knew someone who one of her friend's sons, who was a year older than me in high school, died of a fentanyl incident where he had been taking other opioids, needed something. And the first time he tried it, he had died. And so we all sort of became hypersensitive to the fact that like these fucking medications that doctors are prescribing are killing people at rapid, rapid rates. I mean, my grandfather also had Parkinson's and there's research to show that CBD is neuroprotective and can prevent against this. So I just wanted my parents, regardless of any pain, I just wanted them consuming this because just as you would consume turmeric on a day-to-day basis or take probiotics for long-term health, it wasn't even just about the physical pain. It's just what is going to allow you to live a longer life. But that quick story that I was going to tell you, remember I went home for whatever trip at some point, get off the bus. My mom picks me up and she's like nonstop talking, just like gabbing away. I was like, what's going on? Like, are you all right? She turns to me and goes, I'm just super high right now. <laughs> what a weird thing to hear from your mom. Totally but it's weird. it's your fault. I mean, sort of, I guess. I mean, my dad smoked before I was born and has now subsequently picked it up because he doesn't really drink that much. Yeah. Or really at all. That's his glass of wine at night. But she was taking these little gummies and working with different bud tenders, I guess you would call them. And going to different places to try to find a combination that would be helpful for her. And sometimes it would be way too intense and other times it wouldn't. And so she was going through this period of using the CBD that I was giving her plus different cannabis-based products. But, you know, at that time, I had to create a product or I had to source a product because there's all kinds of ways that you can source CBD. Some are more reliable than others. Some are higher quality than others. I needed a product that my mom could take because ultimately... I was starting this for her. I mean, yes, I ended my job and needed to figure out like a way to survive, but I needed something that would work for her. But why did you decide that this was something that you were going to pursue professionally and not just go find another full-time job and like Cuz the breakdown that I had was like when I was in high school and I started this organization, I was 17 years old throwing concerts to help. I don't know how the hell I came up with this idea, but throw concerts to raise money to build a recording studio in the school so that underprivileged kids who couldn't afford studio time to apply for like Juilliard could use the studio to get a demo tape in. Brilliant. Like that was the route. I remember at the end of high school, I was like, fuck going to college. I need to just get into the music industry. And towards the end of college, I was going on tour. I was throwing tours and convincing the majority of my teachers that their class was insignificant (laughs) to the knowledge that I was learning on the road. So this entrepreneurial spirit was always a part of me. It was a part of my college career. It was what I wrote my papers about. And so I got sucked into this agency life and I needed to get the fuck out. Right. Okay. So back to doing the research, buying books on Amazon, going to these three events and then the one that gets canceled. Yeah. And you decide that you're going to create your own CBD company. Sure. So at the time, 
I didn't have any mentors around it. I didn't have any, there was no like playbook. There's for sure playbooks that exist now, but went to some of- you could probably write one. I mean, I try to help people. If they're a good person, I'll like give them the insight that I have. But at the time in January, I knew one person who had started a CBD company and he was going to help me source product. But after phone call, after phone call, I wasn't getting the information that I needed. Again, my mom needed to take it. I needed to see lab results. I needed to know origin. I needed to know the process of making it. There's all these like other parallels. It's you're trying to source it. You're trying to figure out the branding. You're trying to figure out how you're going to bring it to market, how the hell you're going to fund this thing. A lot of people go and put decks together. They raise a bunch of money and they're off to the races. I didn't do that. I just kind of bootstrapped the thing. So you have the weight of all these pieces. And so we're getting to March of 2018. Two things were all going wrong. The two biggest things, I didn't have a source. Everything I was getting was shit. I knew the name of the company. The name comes from two great grandmothers. One was Lillian, who had a women's tailoring shop in Midwood. And the other was Molly. And she and her family owned a candy store that the mafia used to hang out in like Brownsville, Canarsie. And I obviously was not going to name the company Molly, (laughs) but I wanted to give some respect to the both of them. And so I had a name. I knew what I wanted to do, sort of. I had a friend that was working on the logo and it just wasn't really working out. I then was like, you know what? I need a woman, an amazing female designer to design this because it was just meant to have a female skewing aesthetic. Every designer I was talking to, she wanted a lot of money and each of them deserved the amount that they wanted, but I did not have that money to give them at the time. So in one of my mood boards and somehow through the internet came across this designer in Medellin, Colombia of all places. And so he gave me his book. He said, I'd be very interested in helping you. And it was reasonably priced. So he's like, you need to send money to this regional Medellin bank. I'm going to go into the woods for two weeks and I'll come back out. But, you know, when you're trying to start a business and you don't have a co-founder, it was almost relieving to know that I could pass it off to someone and go focus on sourcing or focus. It took me three months to figure out even the bottle that I was going to put it in. I didn't know it was called an Amber Boston Round. I didn't go to product design school. Right. So two weeks go by, don't hear from him. We're like having shoddy communication. He doesn't really speak English well. I suck at Spanish. There's a bit of a communication barrier. Three weeks go by and I get a Skype message from the designer. All right, I'm ready to show you some stuff. He was meant to present three directions. I ended up getting like two and like sort of a third. And everything felt like startup world. Everything felt like it could be any brand and gave him some feedback. He could tell, I'm like, I wear sort of my emotions on my sleeve. So I was disappointed, but I was like, all right, like spend another week and a half, come back to me, came back in a week and a half. And he's like, I just can't crack it. Fortunately, he wired me back my money. Wow. That's shocking. Totally great. Good guy. And literally I had found the bottle. I had finally found the source through a friend from a very small family farm that had a lot of love and integrity that went into the product. And so the only thing left that I didn't have was this logo. And I 
literally took a Sharpie, drew the logo down onto a three by three note card, took a picture of it, sent it to my computer, cleaned it up a little bit, and then sent it to a printer in Brooklyn where they were hand printing every single bottle. This was for the first like 50 bottles and that was a whole other, all the minimums were like 10,000 units and I didn't have the money to do that. It's not cheap. It's not like these margins. Some people are making crazy margins for sure. That is not the business that I'm in. I'm in the business of like making sure that the product that people are ingesting or using topically actually works. And that's why we have customers that come back month over month over month with no subscription model. So yeah, so back to the logo, figure out a logo, find a great little shop in Brooklyn and fill the first 50 bottles. And so those first 50 bottles went to friends and family. My friend John, who told me about chia seeds way back when, bought the first bottle. I think my friend Manolo bought the second one. My mom gave me great advice. She said, your friends need to pay full price. It made me feel very uncomfortable asking my friends to pay, but they did far from begrudgingly, like willingly wanting to spend. So you mentioned inflammation at one point. What are the other benefits of CBD? I'm sure there are people that are listening that have never heard of it or taken it. So what are the benefits? Sure. So I'll give you benefits, but then I also want to touch on a little bit of history with the plant. please. So the plant's been around for forever. When you look back to this thing called the pharmacopoeia, 100 years back, People at the apothecary, scientists or doctors or people that were administering tinctures had over a hundred different ways at which cannabis oil or cannabis sativa oil could be given, whether it was topical or you put it on your temples or you take it in a little pill or all different types of ways. Cannabis was already being used for a wide range of symptoms. And truth be told, you had racism and xenophobia. You had William Randolph Hearst, who had an invested interest in cotton and lumber, and it takes hemp a lot quicker to grow. So it was in his best interest to put a kibosh on it. You had the Rockefeller family that were starting to invest into what has become the big pharmaceutical industry. And so if I can create a molecule in a lab and patent it, I can sell it for a lot of money. But if someone can grow a plant in their backyard and figure out old ancient techniques of extracting the resources from the plant to help them with their ailments, then what's the need for all of these fucking pills? So we go through a hundred years of more racism, of a war on drugs, of big pharma, of opioid epidemic, of so many issues. And we're now just realizing, oh, wow. This plant is really powerful. So the same scientists that identified THC, identified CBD. The problem with that hundred years is that I can't say like CBD is helpful for this, 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 and this on my website because I'll get shut down in two seconds. Over that hundred years, we have neglected researching the plant. They research it in other countries, but that doesn't impact how the FDA deems this plant. There's one medicine in the entire country that has been FDA approved. And even so, it's for a very, very small segment of childhood epilepsy. And it's very, very expensive. So what do we think that we know? 
So our bodies have our nervous system, our digestive system, our muscular system, but we also have what's called the endocannabinoid system or the ECS. And that system has two main receptors. One is the CB1 receptor and one is the CB2 receptor. The CB1 receptor takes on or is pinged by THC um, and is what impacts your brain. It's why you get quote unquote high. And then you have the CB2 receptor, which gets pinged by CBD. And what that receptor then impacts is primarily anti-inflammation and anti-anxiety. Now, why people say CBD is good for sleep or CBD is good for stress. So let's take sleep, for example. If I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm stressed out or I have a bum knee, it's going to be really hard to sleep. So if I can fix the core of these issues, if I can fix the inflammation that my body has, well, then great, I can sleep better. Oh my God, I just slept better. Now I can work better. And so that cascade or that domino effect I was talking about earlier with my knee that I was having issues with, where it just causes more and more and more issues. If you can take something that can prevent those issues or minimize those issues, you should be taking it. Now, who should be taking CBD? There's a lot of these articles where like everyone should be taking CBD. To some extent, I agree with that. To some extent, it's like you need to be making sure that what you're taking is quality product. So typically a client will say, how much should I take or what should I be taking? I'm not a doctor, by the way. And so we brought on Dr. Sayana Rafacha, who is one of um, Parsley Health's first doctors. She now runs an amazing practice um, in Colorado. But for very specific questions, I'll toss them over to her. But for the average customer, the average client, it's are you focusing on a specific issue? If so, yes. All right, throw it to the doctor. If you're focusing on your general health, which we all should be, and we're trying to be preventative from future issues. So it's taking curcumin, it's taking probiotics, it's taking CBD, it's adding it into your toolkit, your regimen, you know, and it's recommending other things. It's not just CBD. Like I'm a huge proponent of valerian root. I think that it is a rock star herb. It helps me sleep. It helps a lot of people sleep. And unlike melatonin, which has its own grogginess and issues, there's just herbs out there that we can take that can be helpful. And again, it goes back to the problem of we have this big pharmaceutical industry that exists that's tied in with the universities, that's tied in with the FDA that says, all right, this drug is approved. We can give this drug. I can prescribe the drug and I won't have malpractice. I think when I first started doing the research, 90% of doctors had no idea what the endocannabinoid system even was. No doctors can prescribe CBD, yet we're working through in some states around insurance where some of it can be covered, but we have a real long way to go. And From an education standpoint? I mean, I did a yoga class this weekend and most of the class have been taking CBD and someone's response was like, yeah, it's so fun to take in the morning. Oh, God. Because there's, you know, gummies that exist. It's a hot thing right it's, now. It's totally a hot thing. And so I was saying to someone the other day, the fad, is CBD a fad? No, the fad is the last hundred years where we fucked up and we didn't study the plant. Now we're heading into this phase where there will be things that will come and go as to how it's administered. But in terms of the education around cannabis and hemp, CBD is sort of just the beginning because there's 
at least 85, maybe 135 different cannabinoids that exist within the system. And we have done very little to research each of them individually. One molecule might be better for sleep. One molecule might be better for inflammation. One might be great for, you know, Parkinson's. We just don't know yet. But the next hundred years will be very interesting as to how this plant makes its way into like the zeitgeist and our bodies. Yeah. So what is the most important thing for someone to know that has never tried CBD? What's the education that you can provide that's valuable? You know, quick tip. Quick tip, when you're going to source a product, make sure that you get lab results. Make sure that if you feel any bit of uncomfort, you call them, you email them, you reach out to them and make sure, A, that they get back to you, and B, that they can explain any questions that you might have. Number two is you need to start low and go slow. So we typically recommend that people start with 15 milligrams under the tongue two to three hours before going to bed. Take it for five days. See how you feel. If you don't feel any change, that's perfectly fine because there's some people that need five milligrams and there's some people that need 150 milligrams or more. My mom needed to take 150 milligrams of CBD in order to get some desired pain relief. So you start there and the next five days you increase your dosage a little bit and the next five days you increase your dosage. And so what you're looking for is this Goldilocks scenario where you actually take slightly too much, which will cause no issues to you, but you realize, okay, if I take 30 milligrams, I feel a little groggy, but if I take 25 milligrams, I feel like a rock star. And so you find your dosage, you find your brand, and you just go with it. And why Lily CBD? I mean, I said earlier, my mom needs to take this. My grandma needs to take this. My dad uses it before he plays basketball. I mean, God bless him. He's mid-60s, playing against 85-year-olds, playing against 35-year-olds, and he rubs it on his knee. And so I need my family to be able to safely take it. And I'm not willing to impact the quality of the product so that I can make a quick buck. Anyone that's trying to make a quick buck, anything that you see at a bodega, anything that you think is like super cheap, do not buy it because you get what you pay for. Whether it's low quality product, whether it's mislabeled, yeah. And how's your mom's health today? Like today of doing the interview, it's better than yesterday night when we chatted. Fortunately, she is not bedridden like when she had to get surgery, um, which was its own story in itself. But I think it's day to day still. And so in going back to what you said at the beginning, that you and your mom weren't really close when you were growing up. You said your perspective was obviously changed over time as you were dealing with your knee and obviously all that you've learned about CBD. So what advice would you have for people who could potentially be more compassionate to those who are dealing with physical pain but don't actually know what it's like personally and don't understand it? Like anything in life, we have to get out of our own heads and out of our own experiences and realize that the experiences that someone else has are the experiences that they have. And so for us to say you didn't have that experience or you don't feel that way is kind of fucking bullshit. And it's it's not the right way to see things. And it's not even a thing about empathy. It's just we have to believe people in the issues that they're going through 
and try to help them to the best of our ability. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this because it's not something we've talked a lot about on the podcast so far. And I feel like it's a really important topic. And it's obviously, as we said, a really hot thing right now and important for people to be educated before they just go out and start trying stuff, especially at bodegas. So where can people buy Lily CBD and learn more about Lily CBD? Very simply, you can go to lilycbd.com. There's a good amount of information there. We're continuously trying to add more. Any books that you recommend or resources? There's a book that I've had that I buy everyone that works with me on the project. Um, I don't think it's going to be the most popular book that you find on Amazon, but through going through a lot of books, this happened to be the best reading, partnering science and dosing information and just general education. The book is called CBD, What You Need to Know. It was written by Gregory L. Smith. A medical doctor, and you can get it on paperback for fourteen forty seven. <laughs> so go purchase it. No, I mean it, it, I've given this book to so many people because it informed me and created a good foundation for like starting this business. Awesome. So I have lots of extra copies at the office. <laughs> I'll get you one. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. Of course, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com. Follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor. Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer. Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music. And Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.